You're listening to Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM, WGGTLP, and Villanova's campus radio station. Air Saturdays 2 to 3 on WXVU, 92.1. This is cue the mic, cue the mic, cue the mic. This is Dr. Renee Norris Jones. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is Dr. Renee Norris Jones. I need the accent in there. It's Dr. Renee Norris Jones. Um, I need to play in there because I don't take myself too serious, um, except for my two grandsons. They call me Dr. Grandmother. Um, my pronouns are she and her. And I'm here with Sandy. He's holding up our time clock for us. Um, Sandy Smith, one of my co-hosts. Hi, Sandy Smith here. Day job is home and real estate editor at Philadelphia Magazine. I also contribute weekly transportation column for Next City if you're a transportation geek. Uh, my pronouns, uh, in order to it dis diminish the number of people who send me emails addressed Dear Ms. Smith, are he, him, his. And also with us is our third co-host, um, Herman. Hey, hey, I'm Herman. Um, pronouns are he, him, and his. I am a full-time student at Community College of Philadelphia. I'm a theater major, and for 11 years, I used to be an Army National Guardsman. And today, Herman is chilling in sunny California. Yes, me. I'm never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say, uh, before we move on a little bit, is just that Sandy and I both are belong to the National Lesbian Gay Journalism Association. Did I get that acronym right? Because I always mess it up. Well, actually they call themselves these days, NLGJA, the Association of LGBTQ Journalists. Right, I remember that. The only way I remember is to write down the acronym. And we have our very favorite recurring guest, <coughs> Trisha Nelson from Trans Minors Rights and um, we knew that we had to get her, get them on here because there was an article that I saw and I immediately said, I, I think we both were responding to it on Facebook. So knew that we had to get Chris on the show to talk about it. So welcome, Chris. Thanks. Yeah, my name is Chris Nelson. As Renee said, uh, I go by they, them pronouns. I'm the president and founder of Trans Minors Rights. We have a petition on our website, transminorsrights.com. Don't forget to sign. And I'm really excited to talk to all of you today. And, and can you tell folks just really quick what the petition is for, just so we don't get, get, get that? Yeah, uh, our mission is to help transgender minors to make their own decisions regarding puberty blockers. And specifically, we're working in Pennsylvania right now to pass a law that would make it uh, legal and give doctors protections to prescribe puberty blockers to minors age 14 and up without requiring consent from a parent or guardian. Hmm. Absolutely. And we have another guest today, Alex. I met Alex from, all right, don't tell me. All right, no, 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 it's here. From National Vision. I was in the Walmart in South Philadelphia um, I go there because Walmart has the best prices when you're getting all the upgrades to your eyeglasses, the transitions and all that stuff that usually runs a couple hundred out there, the best prices. So take your script there, have them do it. And it was just the nicest experience. The professionalism was there. It was just amazing. So <laughs> Alex and we're talking about the, they were talking about RuPaul. Um, and we had just had the show where we talked about the first Trans man, trans trans man that was on RuPaul's Drag Race. Yep, you're right, uh, a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race, Scott Mick. Yes, yes, yes. He was. I, but I get the. He was a trans man, mm -hmm. a trans female for the show. Yep, the first one. Huh? Yes, yes, first one. And we we were talking. I don't know how we got into the conversation, but we were talking. I would. The show or something and he said oh my god i do for my company pronouns and stuff you're ahead of i'm going to have you explain that so please introduce yourself and your pronouns hi everyone my name is alex i'm an optical director for national vision um currently i'm working out of the walmart vision center in south philadelphia um and 
this year alone, our company has really honed in on the sensitivity aspects of, you know, respecting people's boundaries. Um, and uh, with that, they've implemented something called the diversity committee. And uh, what I do apart with the diversity committee is I help them understand the meaning of pronouns because in the industry or like overall in the environment that we're in the demographic, they're not educated enough to understand it. So it's uncomfortable for them. So what I've been doing for my company and uh, all over national vision is basically spreading awareness. Um, Sandy, Sandy is giving me um, the... What I was basically saying is before we go into the deep woods on the subject, let's tell yes. everybody yes. what's I'm on sorry. the show today. Yourself, we're going to do a whole... So every week we have... So, so sorry. Every week we have a segment called Why Pronouns Matter. Mm -hmm. When you told me about that you were, you were with the diversity committee and it had some part of it had to do with pronouns, I'm like, oh my God, we can get them on the show to do the pronoun segment. So we're going to back up a little bit. We're going to save all those juicy details for the... Sandy has that clock up there. It is just yeah. it's like... Well, actually, we are right about on time because uh, it's uh, time to let everybody know what this week's show will include. Um, our arts and culture reporter is on hiatus this week. That segment will return next week. So what is up next is why pronouns matter. So you will hear uh, all the details of what Alex is doing then. Followed by that is our trans spotlight. Um, and uh, Chris Nelson will be uh, anchoring that. Uh, followed by that, we've got a couple of interesting items for political cues and news this week. Uh, some developments and a plea. After that, it's uh, gay answers to straight questions and we wrap up with our lightning round, newsworthy or not. Uh, and a reminder again, uh, if you're listening to this on a Saturday on the radio, you're listening to it on WXVU 92.1 FM, Villanova's campus radio station. On with the show. That will be you, sir. Pardon me. Hi. So much fun with the I forgot about today in queer history. Well, um, today is the 18th of March, and it just so happens that on this day in 1971, the Idaho legislature approved a law that would have decriminalized homosexual homosexual behavior, but. In response to pressure from conservative Christian groups, before the law could take effect, the legislature reversed itself and recriminalized the and uh, restored the criminal status to homosexual acts. Of course, they did. Uh, what What was the time frame between it was approved and and went back? It flipped on itself. Um, this was the day that they reversed. This was the day that they reversed themselves. Uh, I presume that the bill had been originally passed. Uh, like at least a week prior to take okay. effect on this day. Okay. Okay. That sounds great. So we are going to move to, um, so we're not going to have the arts and culture with D Danielle Irwin. Um, she's on a hiatus this week, but she'll be back next week. That is our creative segment. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and now we can get back to Alex. We can get back to the pronoun section. Um, so, Alex, why do pronouns matter and what do you do about it? There you go. Well, to me, why pronouns matter is because people matter. You know, this is something that when we classify ourselves in this way, it's something that's near and dear personal to us. In my office specifically, we see a lot of trans patients. And because the company didn't provide those services to educate staff, um, we weren't realizing how much we were offending people. Um, and then, you know, you go into Walmart and uh, you go into the vision center, you don't think about it, but a lot of people see that space as a doctor's office. So when you're in a doctor's office and you're not being classified as what makes you feel safe and comfortable, then, you know, it, it creates a, some sort of tension and a misunderstanding. So, you know, I always tell, especially members and like the diversity committee that the company has is pronouns matter because people matter. 
And, uh, you know, we need to take those things very seriously because you might be calling someone a, a pronoun that they're not accustomed to or something that they battled with all of their life. And you're just constantly reminding them of something that, you know, possibly created a suicidal thought one time in their life that they overcame or, you know, just anything. It, honestly, it's just anything. So, you know, taking into consideration uh, that people matter, it's asking those questions of, you know, what are your preferred pronouns? You're not offending anyone by asking, you're actually educating yourself so that you can make yourself and your surroundings comfortable. Yeah, I would like to, oh, can I insert something? Sure. Uh, some people in the trans community have started to move away from the term preferred pronouns as well, because it makes it almost seem optional in a way. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time we'll say, what are your pronouns and not just preferred pronouns. And um, I just also want to add that it's especially important to me as a non-binary person that people ask what my pronouns are because my identity doesn't, doesn't say explicitly what my pronouns are. So that's the more important pointed question than what I identify as. Hmm. Chris, thank you for sharing that. It's funny because on one of our uh, medical forms, it says, what are your preferred pronouns? And as a member of the diversity committee, I'll be sure to bring that up. So, you know, it doesn't seem so derogatory. Yeah, and, and what what percentage of your staff is LGBTQ? Uh, 50%, well, let me, uh, 75% of my staff is LGBTQ. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was very open, very, I mean, the professional, I didn't usually have to go back and get my eyeglasses like refitted or something, but no, it, it was very professional. Um, and I've, usually I hit the Walmart up on the boulevard, but I went down there because I had some other errands to do, but I will always be going to South Philly um, to, to- Well, get that's a better Walmart anyway, even though it can be a zoo on the weekends. Ooh. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> Alex, can I ask, uh, are there ever people who get offended when you ask what their pronouns are? Actually, no. So a little history on the office itself. Um, uh, the office was not in the best shape. There was really no leadership. There was no, you know, accountability or just, you know, that presence of, of warm welcoming. So now that we ask these questions, um, a lot of our patients are saying, you know, I was never asked this last year. And when I was here last year, you know, I was so offended, but you know, I wasn't going to say anything. Mm -hmm. So now our patients are thanking us. They're happy. They're saying, you know, thank you for asking me because, you know, I didn't want to come here again. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a different atmosphere and culture now because we're more accepting. Granted, we're inside of the Walmart, but I tried to create an atmosphere of tranquility and acceptance that when you walk into the optical department, you forget that you're even in the Walmarts shopping. You absolutely now, Alex, nice. I will say here that for you, that is probably a taller order than getting people to get their pronouns straight at that yes. Walmart. And I will definitely say that because the other ones, Walmart just feels hectic to me always, no matter what time I go. And some of the other vision centers are hectic. But when I was in there, it's the same setup. It's just a counter. Well, because of COVID, there's like a little rope out there, but you feel like you're in a totally different space. Like you're not even paying attention to the chaos that's happening. And you're right at the end of the, when folks are coming out. So it's definitely a little chaotic, um, but definitely, definitely did not feel that. So what, so does National Vision, is that for all Walmarts or is it, oh, they're all different? Actually, no. So National Vision owns two Walmarts in Philadelphia. It is South Philadelphia and Willow Grove. Huh. Um, right now, uh, for those who don't know the history of National Vision, they are the parent company of America's Best. Ah. Yes. So as of right now, um, we're sort of like in a transition where in like six weeks, we're going to be the second largest optical provider in the nation as well as in the process of taking back our Walmarts. Um, and basically, you know, the rest of the other Walmarts, they own their optical centers, but now they're starting to realize, hey, you know, we just can't throw our cashiers in there. We can't throw our deli people in there. Let's get <laughs> trained optical people to lead, to lead the business. Um, the How would you like to slice? Do you want them sliced thin? <laughs> <laughs> the professional 
professionalism, the professionalism was evident. What you're saying right there, we can't throw our deli people in there. It was evident that you guys were all professionals from the optical department. So I got a question for you, Americans Best. But those are the people that make my eyeglasses? Because I got these from there, the colors. Yes, America's Best. Um, the difference between us and them, and it's, it's kind of a little sad, is um, the Walmart centers are considered the stepchildren. We don't get all the fancy stuff. Right. Um, but we get the better pricing. Yeah. Um, but America's Best, now they have the more fancier frames and everything. Granted, it won't be the best pricing, but you got a, you got a wider selection of things you can look at. Here's my point. It's, it's rather, it's, it's kind of a selfish one. About some point last year during the pandemic, they stopped selling colors. So normally I just keep getting the same frame. I like it. Why redo it? Um, and so I was hoping you had like an inside way to find out what they did with all the, the orange ones with the black on the colors. Um, I believe there, those frames, there wasn't a huge conversion with them. So they're more of like a demand, uh, you know, profit and demand thing. So like, if you wanted them, they can look it up in the system and order it for you, but it's not something that they'll showcase. Ah, okay. Cause I knew before it was there, cause I've read something about they, it's no longer, I will do that. Thank you. For that. And one more question. This, these guys are great. Every time you guys took my glasses back to clean them, what, what did you use? It's literally, all we use is diluted Dawn Dish detergent. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> You'd be surprised. You, like, you'll be surprised. You hear, like, one thing that I pride myself and my staff on doing is educating our staff. Like, I mean, educating our, uh, our patients. We would never call a patient a customer because you're not a customer. You're a patient. Just like us, we're not sales associates, we're opticians. Our job is to help you see and feel your best. And you know, your eyes are not a joke. You get one set of them. And once they're gone, they're gone. Right. Right. <laughs> so basically well, what you are running is a clinic. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's basically, so before when it was owned by Walmart, it was just an optical center. Mm -hmm. Now that we're a part of National Vision, we're an actual optical practice. We have a full-time optometrist who is there five days a week. We have licensed opticians who went to school to get their license to do what they need to do. And, you know, we just educate our, our, our patients that come in. I guarantee you, if like my district manager were sitting with me and any of you on this call and I say, hey, you know, you're a wonderful customer. My district manager would be like, take a step back. They're not a customer. <laughs> that is a valued patient that we're taking care of today. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I think the words that you use to describe people matter too. Like, it's not just about the pronouns. It's about um, how you talk about the people that you're caring for. Yeah, and granted, you know, being in the demographic we're in, everyone has the, uh, it, it's a sad assumption, but they come in with the mindset of this is going to cost this much, this is going to cost that much. And, you know, sometimes that happens because, people on the other end on the professional end are not taking the time to build a connection with their patients or customers mm -hmm. like Renee when you come in yeah. you walk to the you walk to the little uh strength thing we have standing up and I'm like hey Renee how's it going that's because I built that connection with you yeah. and I'm always going to remember you as long as I'm there <laughs> yeah. yes yes exactly well hopefully you will come back and join us and talk more about the work that the diversity committee does Oh, of course. We're, I mind you, it's a new program that the company has offered. We have a whole brand new team. Um, actually, the vice president of our diversity committee is um, a member of the LGBT community, and she is an amazing woman. Um, and it so happens that now that everything's getting back to normal, our diversity committee is going to be actually in the field providing hands-on training, providing those coaching and sessions and things that even though it might not happen in other offices that might not have a higher demographic of uh, trans patients or anything, at least we're all educated in it so we can spread that awareness. That's a huge thing for me, like those hands-on trainings, like having an actual LGBTQ person there to talk about their experiences and, you know, because a lot of companies, they have these diversity trainings where it's just you click the different radio buttons. And yeah, it's a video. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's that's a lot more interactive. I think it hits a lot more home. Um, finishing up. So what this means, though, since National Vision is in the process of, uh, you know, gaining control of all the Walmart Vision Centers again, that the day is going to come not too long ago when not too long from now, when no matter which Walmart you go to, you will have a staff that's trained in, you know, addressing your needs and your concerns as who you are. Yes. And, and just, I'm telling you, just the professionalism alone will make me go back next year to South Philadelphia. Service is everything. Absolutely. So we're going to move on. Um, and Alex, please join in in the, in the rest of the conversation to our... Trans Spotlight. Trans Spotlight, there we go. Uh, and there was an article that I saw. Yeah, there's been a lot of news about this lately. Yeah, kids aren't learning LGBT history, the Equality Act, I'm trying to read here the headline. Um, kids aren't learning LGBT history, the Equality Act might change that. So- Isn't it something about there's some blowback to President Biden uh, basically, um, you know, lifting the ban on transgender military service, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the trans inclusiveness in the Equality Act, et cetera, et cetera. Mitch, you have the floor. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of the transgender military ban, I haven't heard a lot of negatives, even from people within the military for like, like from what I have heard uh, my husband is National Guard, or was he actually just completed his service? Um, he he said that it wasn't really something that they talked about very much. Like they talked about transgender people in his unit, um, but it wasn't so much an issue about whether transgender people were serving or not. Uh, so I don't think that it was as big a deal as everyone made it out to be. Like the just the pure fact that anyone who was trans was serving. Um, so the fact that they're able to, again, now is obviously a win for the trans community. Um, and in terms of uh, transgender education, I think that our country has had a, for lack of a better word, a history <laughs> with history, where we end up uh, whitewashing things, uh, straight washing things, <laughs> cis washing things. Uh, everything, all of our history books were written by straight white men, and they wrote the history that they wanted to hear, that they wanted people to know. So we don't get to hear a lot about the actual civil rights movements that have been happening. Um, I know I didn't learn about Stonewall when I was in high school uh, or anything like that. So I, I think um, now that people have started educating themselves, now that we have the internet and we have ways for LGBT people to talk to each other, they're realizing that they're missing that part of their education and they're starting to advocate for themselves. Well, now it's interesting that you bring up Stonewall because, <clears throat> you know, that seminal event in the history of the struggle for LGBT equality in the country is something of a sore point uh, for both, uh, you know, transgender activists and, uh, you know, supporters of the drag community because uh, as, you know, they so vehemently point out, the people who launched the riot were a bunch of drag queens, mm -hmm. if I recall. Um, yeah, oh, sorry. Did yeah, I mean, I remember that, you know, one of, one, of the, one of the criticisms of the movie Stonewall was that it tends to make this, you know, uh, uh, corn-fed kid from Kansas who lands in New York at the right time, the hero. Yeah, I heard about that. I haven't seen the movie, but I did hear that um, they very much whitewashed the Stonewall movie, that it was just some white guy who threw the first brick or whatever happened. Um, but it was actually- uh, What was the uh, year? White, huh? What was the year? The year? 1970. Yes. Okay. So um, the Stonewall riots, oh my gosh, why can't I remember her name? I did like a whole project on her and now I can't remember her name. Um, it was a black transgender woman and I think she referred to herself as either uh, a drag queen or a transvestite um, because back in 1970, transgender wasn't something that was talked about as often. So 
Um, most, most people identify her now as a transgender woman because we just believe that she didn't have those words back then in order to describe herself in the proper way. But she did go by she, her pronouns to her friends and family. Uh, well, you may recall also that many of us were still referring to ourselves as Negroes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I remember that because 87, I remember that we started the transition from Negro to Black. What was that James Brown Say it loud. I'm Black and I'm proud. I think that came out in 71. Mm -hmm. I remember. Yeah, Marcia, by the way, her name was Marsha P. Johnson. I just remembered. Yes. yes. Ah. Um, she was a self-identified drag queen, but like basically lived her whole life in drag, um, wore flower crowns and things, and always went to these uh, these gay bars. And so went to Stonewall because it was one of the few places where you could feel free to be yourself. Um, and it's one of the big reasons that transgender rights and uh, other LGB like gay rights are conflated because sexuality and gender identity are two separate things. But what had happened was the gay community accepted the trans community because they were all sort of sexual minorities in a way. Um, and everything that they were doing was illegal at the time, uh, so-called cross-dressing or um, having relations with the opposite or with the same sex and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so Stonewall, what had happened was the, um, it was a gay bar and police came down and started cracking down on the gay bar. And uh, the story goes that Marsha P. Johnson was one of the first people to fight back. Like that was one of many raids that had happened and she finally decided to like throw something at him. And then that's when the whole like sort of uprising started and it went on for I think three or four days. Yep. Um, I, 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 uh, and the irony is, is that the cops ended up going into the bar they were raiding in order to protect themselves from the mob. They were outnumbered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so what's been the, um, so the, right, there's been a lot of things happening. What was the mm -hmm. outcome with the education piece that kids are learning in history? Um, I'm not sure exactly about that because I know there was another article we wanted to talk about if we have time. Um, yes, yes. I kept saying there was another article. What was that? Yeah, uh, there have been a couple of states now that have been moving to try and ban transgender people from sports or trying to keep them away from the sport, uh, the gendered sport that matches their gender. Mm -hmm. um, I think they successfully did it in, well, successfully in uh, Mississippi. That's it. Yes, they, they passed a bill that prohibits transgender women from playing yeah. on women's sports teams. Yeah, transgender students can't play on the team that aligns with their gender. Um, and I think, I don't want to name states, but I know that there are 20, I believe 20 yeah. other states. Yeah, when you say Mississippi, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's not surprising, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, there are a couple of states that are moving to try and ban transgender women from sports, which is ridiculous because there's no evidence to say that transgender women are like dominating women's sports or anything like that. Um, so it's just purely trans exclusionary. It's purely transphobic um, with the idea that transgender women are actually men um, who are just trying to insert themselves into women's spaces, which is absolutely not true. Wow. Wow. That's, that's kind of crazy. That's yeah. crazy. So one of the things I was gonna talk about on um, the political cues, which kind of rolls into that, is that the NCAA, over 500 student athletes, condemn their silence on attacks against trans youth. Um, and they're demanding that they withhold their own policy, their own anti-discrimination policy. The number of young people today that are like taking it upon themselves to be a part of this movement is so amazing to me. Like just everybody coming together because like, I feel like I didn't see that when I was in middle and high school, you know, like there were small groups of kids who tried to do some sort of movement. Like I remember there was an anti-smoking movement that like three or four kids in my school tried to make happen. And we all thought that like, oh, that's cute or whatever. But now there are people who are actually like, you know, 
15 years old creating their own gender and sexuality alliances at their schools. And it's amazing. Wow. Wow. That is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. So that's just really just wound us up to um, move into political cues and news. Chris, thank yep. you for that. And remind folks where they can find trans minors rights. Yeah. Trans minors rights org. They all have an S at the end. It's not trans minor rights, trans minors rights org. And you can sign our petition there. Yes. And there's all sorts of information about puberty blockers too. If you're a trans youth or you know somebody who's a trans youth, there's all sorts of information debunking uh, stereotypes about puberty blockers. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that I met, we, we met at the international trans conference Trans yes. that is coming back this year. It's, in, it's going to be a little bit later, maybe in July. It's going to be remote. So they got canceled last year. So I'm glad to see you at the back. But when I was watching the news or just going through, no, right at the Biden, a lot of things got passed. And I heard them say trans, and they didn't say trans minors rights. They said the puberty blockers. And I was like, hmm. Know this. I know this. Chris has taught us all about this. Yeah, it's something people don't know a lot about, and it's it definitely should be more accessible. And that was the first time I've heard it used outside of this show. Mm. Mm. So I just felt very enlightened because I knew. <laughs> so we're going to move to political news and cues. And Sandy, what do you have? Well, we have a couple of interesting items. Uh, there are certainly many more in this time of whirlwind change, but uh, one of the things that I saw that uh, kind of caught my attention, um, there's a commentary in The Advocate this week. Um, it was written by uh, Kevin Yaman Muleman, uh, and it is a plea to President Biden. Literally, it says, President Biden immediately allow gay and bi men to donate blood. Um, and basically what he's pleading for is the end to a policy that really has been obsolete for some time now uh, because of advances in how we know, you know uh, certain transmittable diseases spread, uh, uh, et cetera. Um, as I'm sure some of you all know, uh, back when AIDS was new, and we didn't really know much about HIV or how it was transmitted or everything. Uh, the Federal Food and Drug Administration, excuse me, it was in the early 1990s, but the Food and Drug Administration uh, imposed a lifetime ban on any men who had sex with men uh, donating blood uh, for fear that, you know, uh, it might inject HIV into the nation's blood supply. Uh, the lifetime ban was lifted in 2015, but it was replaced with a rule requiring men who have sex with men to be celibate for a year prior to donating blood. <laughs> Last I, I'm just laughing because I saw Herman's face. He was like, what the? <laughs> I used to, I used to, before I had, uh, had tattoos, I used to donate blood pretty regularly and they screened for it. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's no reason. And yeah. on top of that, I can engage into, I can engage into a whole lot of risky behavior while being straight and it's not, and it's the same thing. Precisely. That's exactly the logic underlying this plea. Um, you know, so I, I heard that they lifted the ban in 2015. I didn't, the celibacy rule is new to me. <laughs> well, right now, apparently, you know, thanks in part to COVID uh, they've even eased that up. You only have to abstain, have abstained from sex for three months prior Fine. to donating blood. But uh, still, <laughs> you know, um, we do know that there is such a thing as <clears throat> heterosexual transmission of HIV. Right, right. We now know how to screen for the virus. And we do not require that, you know, people who have sex with a member of the opposite sex uh, abstain for three months prior to giving blood. Basically, the rationale for the policy has passed its sell-by date. It's expired. It's no longer useful. Um, you so, know, this came up recently. Um, I think we talked about it on the show a couple of weeks or slash months ago. 
I was just <laughs> sorry. It's still a law. It's still on the books. Have you that's still? I, I I didn't believe. Did you did you guys know that that was still the thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh we do blood drives at my company, and one of my best friends is uh, also a coworker, and he can't do it. <laughs> he, like he can't participate. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't surprise me because I the they stopped contacting me for um for um blood donations out of fear because I have so many tattoos. It's like oh well, he's going to get the HIV because he gets the needles in the skin. I don't know. It's it just seems like a lot of unnecessary fear and stigma. Yeah, Whether I like, I do the tattoo your, thing too. Like I haven't, yeah. I've gotten a tattoo almost every year for the last like five years. So yeah. I can't, I can't donate blood either. Right. Because of that. Wow. You know, and and so my ex was in, was in the military, and after, after she told me a lot of stuff about stuff that they did to vets and stuff. She was in there for ten years, I think, maybe a little bit longer. Um, I'm I'm surprised you guys are allowed to do it with, with some of the stuff that they. Uh, what do you mean? Pardon? You're cutting out. Oh, sorry. She moved the papers on top. How about that? Better? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I said my ex was in the military and she's told me some tales about kind of how, um, I guess the vet or how soldiers are kind of cared for or guinea pigs or whatever. So I was just making a joke that I'm surprised you guys are allowed to give blood. Um, uh, we got a lot of, we get a lot of, uh, there was the experimental medication he gave during the Gulf War, uh, that, That's what um, she was in, she was in the Gulf War. Okay, yeah, so the Gulf War syndrome, that was, um, because of the threat of, uh, biological weapons, they had the troops take these, uh, pills to, like, it was, like, to create a, a resistance or immunity to, against some of the nerve agents that the, uh, Iraqi army could have used, but I guess they weren't tested so well and they created a lot of uh, um, really bad side effects for soldiers who took them. Um, some of them birth defects, stuff like that. Yeah, they don't care about us. Yeah, that's a piece of news. Just like there's so many things that, that she endured when she was in there. She definitely used the word guinea pig. Uh, were you going to say something, Alex? I was going to say that, like, I knew of all these laws and stuff, and maybe it's just the people that I've encountered at the blood drive, maybe not doing their jobs right, but I've never had anyone, like, turn me away because of my tattoos or anything for blood. And now it kind of scares me because it's like there's actual people that are there to either have these ideas or negativities and all this other stuff, or there's people that don't care, and they're like, come on, your blood is beneficial still, no matter what you are. There was a, uh, I, there was like a 90 day period where if you got a tattoo, they didn't want you to donate blood. Um, and I know that I have given blood while having tattoos, but I just started getting them so frequently. They just stopped mm-hmm. calling me. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, think, I think you're supposed to wait at least six months or a year after you get a tattoo. Oh, that's awkward. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was longer, <laughs> but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Did they ask you whether you were gay? Whether you're part of the LGBT community? No, they would just ask me for my ID and they'll ask me like, oh, are you here to donate blood? And most likely they'll ask me, oh, how old is your tattoo? And I'm like, oh, I got these probably like three years ago. And they're like, okay, well, then come on in. We'll set you up. The Red Cross definitely asked me for my orientation. They were definitely turning people away if they said they were, um, if they were gay. Well, was it at the Red Cross, Alex? I actually did mine at Simon Gratz High School when they were having a blood drive. Huh. Mm. Yeah. And I did one for Pierce College when I was a student there. And no, I was never asked my sexual orientation or anything. Hmm. Huh. Different, I guess different agencies uh, or organizations. I know a lot of them are uh, backed by religious, uh, religious organizations, so they do mm-hmm. care. Yeah, so... That might be why they asked me all those questions when I uh, when I was a donator. Huh. Hmm. I mean, that, that's just a hot button topic. It just makes me think. Uh, it makes my blood boil. So yeah, I'm thinking ooh. about it now, and it's like where I'm at in my life now. I can tolerate like that that ignorance and educate them in the most respectful way possible. 
but I'm sure like four years ago, me will probably be the worst Kevin Karen I can be possible. I was threatened with action news and the whole nine, but it's like to see that those things still exist and it's like people not taking the initiative to educate themselves, it it's sickening. And it can be really detrimental to people too, like realizing that they don't have the same rights as other people to do these things just because yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to have to make this second item a quickie, but I still think it's worth mentioning. Okay. Um, I will just preface it by saying that Dr. Charles Socorides is certainly spinning in his grave much faster now as a result of this. Um, this, this ran and out on March 11th. Uh, the American Psychological Association adopted a resolution that accepts gender as a non-binary non construct, finds gender dysphoria is not a mental illness, and warns that gender identity change efforts, better known as conversion therapy, are detrimental to a person's health. This is as big as the APA taking homosexuality out of DSM back in the 1970s. Hmm. You know. Wow. Yes. I, I, I have a. I have a question, but I, I feel like it's going to go down a wormhole. But gender dysphoria mm -hmm. being um, labeled not a mental illness. Um, how do you how do you all feel about that? I my my best trans friend is. She. she how do I say this? Uh, she embraces I guess the fact that her gender dysphoria is a mental illness mm -hmm. and if uh, I, I I don't I haven't heard any other perspectives on that matter but the way she framed it I mean logically it made sense to me it's like hey you know I was born this way and I I feel like a person that's in the wrong body and I recognize it's a mental illness and I do things to help me feel better like I take you know anxiety and depression that's for my PTSD and framed that way, I'm like, okay, I guess that makes sense. But I mean, um, you know. Sounds like she's bundling together a bunch of uh, discrete behavioral health issues that are not all the same. PTSD, yeah, I... those are, you know, those are legit behavioral health concerns. Okay. Whether or not you feel that you were in that, whether, whether or not your mental, hormonal, whatever uh, uh, gender matches what your body uh um you know what your plumbing says mm -hmm. is not <laughs> yeah i actually know a little bit about this um okay so gender dysphoria being in the dsm is still very important it's important that it's diagnosable and it's important that it's treatable but it's not technically a mental illness because the treatment isn't necessarily mental health it's not changing the brain it's changing the body like it's widely accepted that mm -hmm. affirming medical care is a better way to care for a transgender person than like they were mentioning before conversion therapy that's it's not beneficial so if we call gender dysphoria a mental illness then that sort of leads to conversion therapy. But if we say that gender dysphoria is more of like a physical condition, um, it's a condition of your body not matching what you feel inside, then it's easier to get the proper treatments and the correct treatments for that. So it's still definitely important that it's classified as something, mm -hmm. but we have to make sure that the mental health stigma isn't there. And it definitely does lead to other mental health issues but it's not because the person is trans, that's more because of the way that transgender people are treated can lead to PTSD, depression, and anxiety. They definitely have that. Um, and I know they grew up in a more conservative area and getting, um, just getting um, transition, um, just helping, getting the care to transition was a definite hurdle for them. Yeah. So uh, that's good. Um, I'll ask them about that. How do you feel about that? Thank you. And now, uh, having done this week's news wrap up, uh, it's time we uh, did our gas cue. Yes. There are, remember, there are no stupid questions, only stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> so gas cue 
is gay ants. I was like, who has that sign up and why is it backwards? It's me holding it in my hand. So gas chew is our segment. It's meant to be educational, but it's gay answers to straight questions because we have all been asked some manner of ridiculous questions. Mm. So this week, the question is, what's the difference between being a transsexual and a transvestite? Well, one's archaic words. Yeah. <laughs> Um, some people, I know some transgender people uh, have started reclaiming the word transvestite um, in terms of like, they'll call themselves a transvestite if they've gone through any sort of physical transition. Um, and I think that that can help in a sort of medical sense, but I don't think that it helps to use different words like transsexual, transvestite or whatever, apart from transgender because it can just sort of start to break apart the community in a way. Like there's nothing, there's no real difference between like a so-called pre-op trans person or post-op trans person. Like they're still transgender and you should still treat them the same way unless you are their doctor or a sexual partner. That's the only way that there would be a difference in the relationship. So I'm going to actually I may get myself pilloried for this, but I'm going to beg to differ in one respect. There is the performative act of men and women who remain, you know, identified as such and consider themselves men and women who dress up in the clothing of the opposite sex mm -hmm. in order to carry out an act like uh, Martha Graham Cracker, just to name a very well-known uh, drag performer here you know yeah so like drag or like cross-dresser is completely different from being transgender you are um, yeah well trans and I think that's one of the things that got completed in the 70s too mm -hmm. yeah that's like that's where the terminology I guess gets confused mm -hmm. where there's not really a very specific definition which is another thing where like I guess this is kind of a guess cue where I feel like this isn't asked enough where it's like, what does that mean to you? So like if somebody says that they identify as a transvestite or transsexual, you should ask, what does that mean to you? You know, what what pronouns should I call you by? Like what what how do you define that? Because different people have different definitions for their own identities. Were we doing music beds here? This would be the time to cue Sweet Transvestite from the Rocky Horror. <laughs> I love I, Rocky Horror. Well, I actually, that leads me to, uh, to re-ask this question. What is the difference between trans, transgender and transsexual? I was led to believe that a transsexual was a person who uh, did all the, um, got all the uh, conversion um, yeah like the surgeries, surgeries and mm -hmm. yeah so I think I think some people still use that that way but like I was saying before I see it as a little bit problematic because then mm -hmm. it it draws that wedge between like what haves is a and have nots gender person okay. yeah exactly and like there's I don't think that there's really any reason for a person to self-proclaim themselves as a transsexual as somebody who's gone through a physical transition because it's like I said it's only relevant to a sexual partner or your doctor no one else needs to know yeah what's been going on down there i have it seems like it's been going out of style i've, I've heard it yeah. less and less cool so I, I just have a question so i bought out my style book nice it's in here somewhere and i can't find it. this is a style book of lgbtq terminology chris mm -hmm. have one correct um i think i got one of those somewhere at the national, we did the annual the Trans Day of Remembrance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not, Careful to hold the book in front of your mouth, by the way. It's a little hard to hear we you. We can't hear you when you do that. <laughs> uh, Alex, do you have one of these? I do not. I, I can get you a copy. I'll get you a copy. Um, so, and Earl, I'm, I'm going to be brief because I know we're running out of time. Did, did you say that between the transsexual and the transvestite that the transvestite was should not be used or you said well, it depends either both of those can be kind of outdated like the the preferred term for the most part for any trans person is transgender 
Um, yes. But that's, again, that's variable. Like it depends on the person. So like if you're having a conversation with that person or if you're doing like a news story on that person, you'd wanna make sure that you, you use the right terminology for them. Um, so I, I guess my question was, I, I thought something was said, maybe it wasn't you, it was just in the conversation that transvestite is something that should not be used by, even if someone identifies, should not. If they identify themselves as a transvestite, then that's fine. Like you can use whatever terminology is comfortable for you. If you're reclaiming your identity, that's fine. Like queer has been used a lot more recently um, and that used to be considered a slur. And I consider myself to be queer. I use that word a lot. So I don't think that there's any issue with any person self-proclaiming themselves as any identity. Uh, I just think it's important that other people understand what that means specifically to that person. Uh, right. Like one of the one of the other gay answers that I give to straight questions in my life is uh, since I'm non-binary, people will ask, well, what's your husband's sexuality then? Um, and we thought a lot about it after I came out because we've been together since before I uh, came out and he's still straight and he's still comfortable being straight and it's fine that he's straight. Um, but that because his identity is what's comfortable to him and it has no bearing on our relationship. It has no bearing on what my gender identity is. Straight is just the term that he's comfortable with and it doesn't matter to our relationship what label he uses. It's just how he defines his own sexuality. That was the exact same conclusion I came to when I was uh, seeing a non-binary person too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't change anything about your sexuality that you're attracted to a non-binary person. It just means that like your sexuality is like you might define your sexuality in a different way than another straight person does or however. All right. I think it's time for what, Sandy? It's time for Newsworthy or Not. This is our lightning round in which we will give you some um, interesting things that happened this week in the news. And we are to give you quick reactions, you know, two snaps up, child, please. I roll, hated it. You get the picture. Not what a, we got? Yes, you ready? Mm -hmm. Have some good ones. It's Grammy time. Time for the Grammys, the Grammy Awards. Pat yeah. Lee's summon homeboy. They I just jazz watched artist for the fashion. The up for his 38th Grammy nomination. Who is it? Pat Metheny. Okay. The only person to have won Grammys in, I think, all 10 of the major music categories. That's great. Sorry, what was that? We've turned our clocks back for daylight savings time. Put them ahead. <laughs> Move them ahead. Move them ahead. Yes. Bring One of them so far. Days. Okay, you guys really don't care, do you? Okay. National Women's Month? Yeah, Renee, and, you keep blocking oh, your mic with the paper. We can't hear you. All right, sorry about that. Um Alexa told me this morning that it was National Pie Day, and she told me. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's know. right. Today is 314. Yep. Oh, math, right. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm actually uh, going to have a giant apple pie soon, so hooray. I might make a pie today. By the <laughs> way, folks, I did tell you that the show is, that, that the day in history is the 18th. We record this show in advance. We are recording on the 14th. Ah. It's because of the pandemic, we're no longer live in the studio for a little bit, but I'm going to go on. North Carolina school, North Carolina schools will now list trans students chosen names. Yes. Good. Yes. Good. North Carolina too. Wow. Demi Lovato admits that she is too queer <clears throat> to date a cis man right now. I read that article today. Uh, I guess that sucks for me. How queer? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, next, cis men. Next, Netflix has found two leads for First Kill, its lesbian vampire series. Hmm. Um, Anne Rice is smiling wherever she is. <laughs> <laughs> Nisi Nash, I didn't even know she was on the spectrum, doesn't feel the need to label her sexuality in spite of her recent marriage to her, her, her husband, H-E-R-S. Her husband? 
urgent. I'm sorry, but that sounds kind of like, you know, a uh, uh, hillbilly for husband. <laughs> uh, you do you. I have a few more and we can be done. Spring break revelers in Florida are part partying like it's 2019. Mm. Um, uh, we know how that ended up. Yeah. That's Florida. It's just not. You know, um, people are under wind, winter storm advisory as blizzards and rain move across the U.S. Did you see all the blizzards and stuff? In March? No, 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 no. The days have been too good. We can't get any more snow. Yeah, it's like there's some type of change in the climate. Out of here. This was in the Midwest. They are currently like last. I'm watching blizzards and ice storms where they're stuck on the road. Let me remind there's, you. Uh, crazy. There's still snow in the mountains here in California. I don't know if that's normal, but. As, I was surprised. As, as, as the token native Midwesterner of this bunch, I need to remind you all that winters in the Central Plains are actually a good bit harsher and colder than they are on the coasts, thanks oh. to where the jet stream goes. Oh, that's right. So, you know, uh, the, the 20 feet of snow that they're getting in Missouri right now will probably make its way here as rain. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. You just have to turn. So, Former heavyweight champion, marvelous Marvin Hagler, died unexpectedly. Unexpectedly. Rest in peace. Aww. The Biden administration tried to reach out to North Korea last month. They didn't respond. They not picking up. <laughs> Heard about that. <laughs> um, it was like new phone. treatment. Biden wasn't fawning enough, obviously. Herman, um, can they find us? Hey, so you guys can. Find us everywhere. We are on iTunes, Podomatic, the Google Play Store, TuneIn, Spotify, and Alexa can find us on Amazon. And if we're not on your favorite podcast, just let us know. And a reminder that we air on two stations in addition to being here tonight on G-Town Radio and Germantown Community Radio. We also air Saturdays 2 to 3 on WXVU 92.1, Villanova's campus radio station. I guess that's it. Good night, guys. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. See you guys later. Good meeting and talking with you both. It's been a great show. Yes. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Cue the Mic on Germantown Community Radio. 92.9 92.9 FM WGGTLP Philadelphia and online at gtownradio.com. See you here next week.